When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays. So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe, join the community. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform as well. Rob, uh, we have a new class of Youth Cup winners. Uh, the class of 22 is it being dubbed uh, 30 years on. That's the right mass, yeah? Th- 30 years on from the class of 92. Let's hope they can emulate that lot uh, and bring United back to glory. Uh, but yeah, nice. In a, in a season of awful lows and not too many highs, it's a nice uh, it's, it's a nice story. Well, it's silverware, isn't it? So this is it for Man United this year. Us as fans, that uh, we've won the Youth Cup. Um, but I think it's a great start in terms of a new rebuild at Manchester United. So this is where we are as uh, as a football club. And it's just a pivot, a place to kind of go in a more positive direction. Uh, I think the lads did really, really well on the night. I think really Forest were probably the better team overall. They seemed to handle the occasion a little bit more and they worked really, really hard. I think United found it hard to kind of get their game going. But in the clutch, late in the game, Garnacho came through. United in front of a huge audience at Old Trafford, an incredible crowd. I'm thinking touching on 70,000 for a youth match, which is phenomenal. Uh, they got their moment of glory and hopefully they'll take that with them, put it in their pockets and go on and use that in future years. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. On today's show, we'll also talk about Ajax and Eric Ten Hag, who's had a few things to say on United's or his decision to take the United role. We'll get into that. We'll talk about who he's targeting 
uh, or which positions he's targeting to strengthen in the summer. We'll talk Frankie de Jong as well, because that is the hot name in the transfer scene for United at the moment. And we'll also talk about Ten Hag seemingly getting the assistant manager staffing that he wanted, despite some resistance from those within United about one Steve McLaren, who's been there before. Uh, but yes, uh, you can re- you can follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show as well. But let's cycle back to the Youth Cup, Rob, uh, and give it uh, the attention it requires. Uh, as you say, Forest, perhaps the better team. United, a bit fortunate with the penalty that they had uh, for the second goal as well, because it was did look outside the box, to be fair. But, you know, you have to take those opportunities when you get them. Uh, great news for the for the lads and the star of, well, the, the man who grabbed all the headlines, uh, Alejandro Garnacho, with the kind of, with the two goals. Uh, can we expect to see him breaking into the team under Ten Hag, do you think? And is there anybody else that you think can make the step up within the next few months? It's all about pre-season, isn't it now? So, you know, this is the kind of little spell of, of a few weeks where the new coach will get to see his new players. And look, God, actually, we can see his quality. We know what he can do. We know what the upside is. We know what the potential is. But it's about whether he can play a Ten Hag system. I still think maybe there's a question around his overall work rate, but he's young, isn't he? So you can you can coach these things into young players. Um, he's got talent. You can see why Argentina and Spain are both fighting over him and want him to be there as a senior for them. It looks like, obviously, he's chosen Argentina. Um, so, it, you know, can he make the step immediately? I'm not sure. I think that's something that you can say wait and see on. But United have got a few youth players now that I think makes the, the exit of some of the more experienced pros at United just something a little bit more easy to stomach. You know, if you're going to lose 10 or 15 or 10 or 12, shall I say, and you're going to bring in maybe five or six, you will need two or three to come through the youth ranks. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, it's a nice way to sign off the season for the, for the youth team. And it's a nice way to kind of end the season for United as well, as, as I say, in a season of, God-awful lows and this kind of thing. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Eric Ten Hag at Ajax has, well, one of the key things at Ajax is to bring through youth players who they come through that system. It's been, they've been doing it for decades, for years, for years and years. And United have a similar tradition in that sense. So hopefully there can be something that goes hand in hand there. Maybe it won't be straight away, but uh, there's a bit of talent in there. So fingers crossed we start to see some of them uh, develop into first-team players in the future. There was also a uh, another trophy, which some United fans have claimed this week as well, uh, with Eric Ten Hag and Ajax winning the Eredivisie title finally. Uh, after well, this, it's been it's been a few weeks coming. We've known that they're gonna they're gonna win it really, but they did it in style on Wednesday night. Uh, Ten Hag kind of got the old throwing up in the all the players around and throwing them up in the air and this kind of thing, and that was nice to see as well. A nice sign off for Eric Ten Hag before he leaves for United. Yeah, I think it was great, obviously, that they won the title. I, I know I jokingly claimed that championship for Manchester United as he's, as he's now our coach and not theirs. Uh, but, of course, you can't joke on the internet. People are not quite sure 100% whether you're telling the truth or not with that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, I, I think it was a great way for him to exit the club in terms of it could have gone wrong, couldn't it, the last few weeks? So as soon as it was announced that he was coming to United, there might have been a drop-off. 
we might have seen that his leadership unraveled at Ajax and that the players just kind of went, no thanks. Have we seen that at Manchester United before? Yes, we have. So that could have happened and it didn't. And I think that's a credit to him. Uh, there's also a video going around at Ajax released yesterday just of Ten Hag's last moments in that match before, before they won the title. And it just follows him. It's really, really interesting because it just shows uh, how he runs that team and how much of a connection he has with his players. And do you know who it reminded me of, Scott? Remind me of Pep Guardiola. Just in terms of the closeness, the togetherness, but at the same time, coaching. Actually being there and telling players what to do, when to do it. There's a little shot of him with an iPad on the side with the subs. So the game's going on and he's going... So when you're... And I like that because it means that there's some control and some thought process there. So... Well done to Eric Ten Hag, obviously winning that Dutch title once again. And he says that when he comes to Manchester United, he wants to bring a winner's mentality. The right words. This is what we need to hear at Man United. We need people come to this football club that understand that winning is important. Yes, indeed. Uh, Ten Hag has wasted little time since uh, getting to... Well, he's already been kind of working behind the scenes on what happens at United from next season because they do need to start addressing how bad this season has been pretty soon. Uh, and they've already been working on it. And he's he's opened up a little bit in an interview with a, a Dutch, I think, a Dutch media outlet talking about the United job. Uh, we'll get into the meeting that he held on Thursday in a little bit as well. But he said, uh, despite United being a beautiful club, I would never just start. I wanted to create a good working conditions first. So every detail had to be taken care of. I know United went through a very precise procedure as well. They'd done scouting analyses, data interviews with people who worked with me, and then we held multiple interviews between us as well. They didn't rush into things and neither did I. It felt like a difficult but fantastic challenge that United is something to build and something to win. It's such a big name in the history of football as well. He's, uh, he's also talked about uh, the history, Sir Alex Ferguson, Munich, uh, you know, the finances and a bunch of different things as well in what he thinks, you know, some of the stuff that he thinks is there for him to kind of build on and to move forward with. So it's, it's good to hear him speaking quite frankly and outright about a, how drawn he is to the project and B how much detail have actually gone into this before it happening. Well, this is what we've been talking about, isn't it? I think over the last few weeks, there's been this resistance from Ten Hag and certain parts of Manchester United say not a lot is happening. You know, we're going to wait and see. Ralph Ranick's been, I think, the main conductor of that, saying, no, 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 we're just getting on with the season. We've not talked about next year and new players and all of that. That is rubbish. That has already been talked about. It's been talked about since day one, really. And you have to, because this is the only way you can utilise your time to create the best conditions. So I really like those quotes, The uh, just obviously they're post um Ajax winning the title. Manchester United, of course, have met with Eric Ten Hag and his potential assistants uh, in Amsterdam on Thursday. That was a very fruitful, successful meeting. They've gone through targets, they've gone through structure. And now that is actually about just applying some of that science. So the ideas I think Ten Hag had said in his contract negotiations about the conditions he demanded, this is now the next step in that. So Eric Ten Hag we're here is not going to kind of take a day off, you know, he might have a little break once once the season's over, but he's effectively at work. He's running Manchester United already, and his assistants will be in place in potentially even when we're doing this podcast, 
you might even hear in the next few hours that that's confirmed by the football club. I'm personally waiting to see Eric, a, a picture of Eric Ten Hag and Ralph Rangnick talking. I'm hoping that they kind of put that out there. I don't know if they will. I'm not sure how, uh, how many conversations he's had with Ralph yet, but Ralph has said in the last few weeks that he was waiting until the season was over to have that chat with him. Uh, but obviously, things have been cracking on uh, quite quickly. Wasted no time at all. You know, you win a league title on a Wednesday night and then 9am on Thursday. You uh, And this was at Ten Hag's uh, order, by the way, as well, yeah, uh, as, yeah. we, as we've learned. This was Ten Hag gathering John Murta, um, Steve McLaren, Mitchell van der Haag, or van der Gaag, I think. Uh, my pronunciation might be wrong there. But um, those assistants have, have yet to be confirmed, but... Now that they've been in this meeting, it's been verified that they are there. It's just a matter of time until they are confirmed, isn't it? And Van, van der Gaag obviously has made it clear that he wants to leave Ajax and follow Ten Hag to United. Yeah. Steve McLaren, Rob, let's, let's talk about Steve McLaren because obviously we know his history with United. We know his history with Ten Hag. They've worked together before. Um, I think Ten Hag sees McLaren as the, the one who can relate the history you know, in a sense, uh, to Ten Hag so they can move forward, but, you know, keep all that in mind as they as they do move forward. And we'll talk about some kind of feedback that uh, Steve McLaren has given on the squad a little bit later. But what's, what's your reaction to Steve McLaren coming back? I'm not surprised at all. Like, um, when Ten Hag was first mentioned a number of months ago, a lot of people said, oh, well, you know, there is obviously the Steve McLaren link there, you know, in terms of English football, work together in, in Dutch football, Obviously, Steve McLaren went to Twente uh, and won the Eredivisie as the manager there. So I think as as English football fans and journalists, we yeah. tend to forget McLaren's reputation abroad and with other people. And we see him as this figure of fun because of what happened with England and people and remember him doing well. Dutch accents and having an umbrella on the touchline when it's pouring down around England and about to lose his, his job. So people remember those snapshots. But the truth is that when he came to Manchester United and he was part of that mini rebuild before the treble, so Dwight York, Yap Stam, Arsenal were the best team going. How were United going to overturn that? One of the big things that Sir Alex did was to go and get this guy, Steve McLaren, obviously he'd been working at Derby County. So he had a big influence on the change of Man United behind the scenes in that period. And United went on obviously a very big run there of success once again. So I'm not saying that, that him coming back will reboot any of those things, but Ten Hag certainly sees him as a link between success of knowing how to win the Premier League and win big trophies and the coaching dynamic. And Manchester United's coaching dynamic for, well, I'd say since Van Gaal has not been great. So Van Gaal came in, made lots of technical changes very early on, but two years of mediocre success, winning the FA Cup, out the door, in comes Mourinho. That that needs to be rebooted. And I think that's one thing Ten Hag's identified immediately. And this is where Steve McClam will play that part. As you said there, he'll have his assistant with him uh, from Ajax. So they'll do a lot of that managerial stuff. But then I think you'll have someone on the training pitch with them that can communicate with English players that understand the mentality and knows what's needed. And it's about a team effort, isn't it? To actually have a, a team of coaches that can approach the problems. Uh, United have, in the recent past, especially especially under Oli Solskjaer, been, had it levelled of them, jobs for the boys. Uh, yeah. Is there a distinction between that and this? 
look, there is a distinction because it, it depends why you give someone a job. So most managers will give someone they know the job. That's just the way it goes. I've worked with so-and-so before in the past. They were good. They fit my application of what I want to do. And that's how we're going to go forward. So, you know, I said on Twitter before and a few weeks ago that the whole Steve McLaren thing will be definitely met with deaf ears with some Man United fans. They'll be thinking about this and going, what, the guy who is a bit of a joke and couldn't really do it in, in League One in recent times. You know what I mean? It's That's how they'll look at Steve McLaren, but it's not how the manager looks at him. And I think that's what's important. So I, I look at Steve McLaren as a good appointment because I, I do think he can bridge some of those gaps. It's not just like a new manager coming in and doing what he does. It's what Brian Kidd did for Pep Guardiola. You know, there's this kind of marriage there between styles and function and philosophy but then applying it into a real world football setup so uh, I'm fine with McLaren you know coming in to do the coaching with him because it's not about power is it it's about helping and uh and he's still got this stellar reputation as a coach you speak to people especially players who have worked with him and players always go Steve McLaren knows what he knows on a football pitch on a training pitch he's really really good you mentioned power there. I did want to actually bring that point up because, as we mentioned earlier in the show, that the club, those are in the club, or there's been some resistance to actually appointing him within the club is, yeah, you know, is what we've learned. Probably because of the reasons that you just listed about the fan concerns as well. You know, his reputation damage that he's had in the in more recent years, perhaps with other jobs that he's had with the reputation with. Wally with a brolly with you know, the Dutch accent and all this kind of stuff. Is it a good look? But I think if United had resisted this appointment, that's awful, isn't it? It'd be, it'd be a really bad sign very early on that Ten Hag's pushed push for something and he's not got it. it uh, Ten Hag wouldn't be here then. Yeah. That would be it. This was the whole point of the contract negotiations being as in-depth as they were, because normally it would be an agent discussing fees and you would talk about, uh, you know, long-term aspects of contracts, commitments, goals, ambitions, all the normal stuff. But Ten Hag did go to the table to Manchester and said, if I don't get all of these things, not coming. Got other offers, got other stuff to do. Quite like Ajax still could sign a new deal here. So, you know, you need to give me everything I want. And that's what we've got. Ten Hag was promised the world. I do like also his latest comments where he talks about finances. Because again, managers generally don't talk about that. And he said that the financial conditions are in place. And I thought, hmm, interesting. So again, it's not, it's not something that managers normally go like, you remember Conte went to Tottenham and went, I ain't got a clue about, about transfers. Like, you know, don't ask me. I haven't got a clue about how much money is available. It's not why I've come here. And managers generally play that line now in general. But he's come and he said, no, the condition's there because he's made certain demands. And he said he needs to revamp this team in his own image. So this is why I think the Steve McLaren appointment is important because it's his guy. It can't be Michael Carrick 2.0. It can't be McKenna 2.0. It can't be jobs for the boys. It has to be jobs for the right boys. <laughs> nice, nice distinction there. Um, so I did want to mention there as well that in terms of Ten Hag getting what he wants, I mean, uh, we obviously there was a, I think pretty much every British media put put this out about the, the meeting happening yesterday. Uh, as part of our report on nightman.com, it's kind of confirmed to us that Ten Hag will have a big say, and we've been reporting this for a while. He'll have the final say. Let's let's put it as the final say 
on who stays and who leaves. Uh, obviously, it'd be out of his control with the six players that are out of contract. Uh, so if he'd like to keep Paul Pogba, you know, there's, there's suggestions today that he's agreed a deal with PSG. Nothing verified there yet, but it doesn't look like Paul Pogba will stay. Uh, but it's important that Ten Hag has been given these assurances. And I think that's something we've also put in our report, you can check it out on nightman.com as well, is that Steve McLaren is a big backer of Marcus Rashford, but at the same time, Ten Hag will have the final decision on whether Rashford stays or is put up for sale as well. So that's very important too, isn't it? And it'll allow United to crack on with Ten Hag at the helm of it all. Yeah, and I think also the interesting thing about Steve McLaren and the players there is that he doesn't have that connection overall with the current squad. So we're talking about Steve McLaren initially being at Man United in the late 90s. You know, it's a long time ago. It's under a different regime. You know, it's different dynasty. Wasn't but even what, that long either, was it? Well, well no, it wasn't that long because he, he immediately was lauded. You know, he was given the credit that he deserved for being part of that treble success. So he immediately became this person that everyone wanted to be their next manager, you know, and he was a big, big figure at that time. It's easy 20 years on to kind of forget a lot of the good stuff and just remember the tabloid rubbish. So I think like you just said there with Marcus Rashford, it is important that he has a relationship with some of these English players because it means he can get inside their head. There's going to be a lot of psychology going on here, Scott. And Steve McLaren is going to ask the first question to these boys. What's been going wrong? Tell us, why has your form gone from here, you know, kind of getting better as a player and then gone that way? You know, was it the management? Was it your coaching? Is something else going on at the football club that we don't know about? And this is why I talk about power and control, because the new manager and his team are going to have to have that power and control. And I think the good thing is, is that Manchester United, in the first instance, Richard Arnold, is ceding that. They're saying, yes, this is your club now. This is your team. You decide. You just said they're about the six players out of contract. Obviously, negotiations have been going on with those players for time anyway, but they're going. You said that Paul Pogba probably going to PSG. I think that's almost that's as done deal as possible. But if he decides with Eric Ten Hag that they want to they want to get together and do something at Man United next year, Eric Ten Hag has the power to say, I want this player, get the deal done. So that's kind of, again, what Jurgen Klopp does at Liverpool. You know, it's what Pep Guardiola does, but it's all part of a wider structure, isn't it? It's about tr- having a, a robust football management structure at the top tier to be able to make core decisions that help you win. Yeah, on Jurgen Klopp as well. I think uh, obviously Ranić spoke last week. Was it last week? Yeah. Wow, time has gone very fast. Uh, seems like ages ago. Uh, but they'd identified Luis Diaz at Liverpool as being the one to get. Yeah. And then when Tottenham made their move in January, Liverpool were initially going to do it in the summer. Mm-hmm. And when Tottenham started making moves for him, Liverpool pulled the trigger because we can't miss out on this guy. And that's what Man United used to do all the time. You know, Wayne Rooney was that. Wayne yeah. Rooney at Everton, scouted since he was like 10 years old. United knew everything about him. Fergie had spoken to him as a little kid and was like, we'd like you to come to the club one day. Newcastle made a huge bid for him to go from leave from from Everton. Everton were going to accept that bid. And Man United went, no, we need to get in here. And within 10 minutes, the deal was done. You know, so they, they brought him to the football club. And you have to be aggressive like that and understand the marketplace. So as you said, Diaz now might be the difference between Liverpool winning the Champions League and even the Premier League and winning nothing. So that's how you have to look at it. You have to always try and bring in players that can affect 
your your potential winning. And I just like the first few kind of smidgen bits of Ten Hag. He's saying the right stuff, and United are giving him the initial power. But of course, the next bit of now will be who are the new players. Yes, indeed, lovely segue, Rob. Uh, it's yeah, Ten. It's important that Ten Hag sticks to his guns, and it does look like he's doing that as well. He's, he's putting his foot down making sure that he gets everything that he wants at United. And he's talked about this multiple times as well. If I, if I didn't get what I wanted, if I didn't get this, if I didn't get yeah. that, I yeah. wouldn't have come. As simple, simple as that, really, because it's not like he wouldn't have had other options uh, as managers jump around Europe over the next couple of years. But yeah, we talked about the uh, players that are coming in, and we'll spend the rest of the show uh, speaking about uh, which potential arrivals we could see at United. Let's do the positions that have been identified first. It's been pretty much confirmed from a, a few different places uh, that two central midfielders, one centre-half and a versatile forward are on the agenda, uh, on the wanted list. There's varying kind of numbers about a budget, although, you know, budgets are never... Like, they're, they're fluid, they're flexible. I think it's quite important, though, to point out that sales of players who are currently there who considered Deadwood are quite important to offload and that whatever fees can be kind of retained for them or brought in for them can also be reinvested. You think of the likes of Eric Bailly, Phil Jones, and Andreas Pereira. I don't know how much you get in for them for them <laughs> players, you know, but you you think Eric Bailly, you could get a few mil in just to put towards another player. Yeah. And uh, so fullback, I think we talked about fullback being a position needing to strengthen as well. And that, I think that's also on the agenda, but not quite as high up the list as these other four positions. So are they the right positions that United should target? Yeah, totally. If I was writing a list, that's the list, 100%. Um, I think we now can start thinking more progressively about what a Ten Hag team will look like and what does it actually do. So I think a lot of United fans are falling into this trap that he's going to definitely play 4-3-3 out the gate. He hasn't played 4-3-3 for a long time. He plays 4-2-3-1. That's his go-to system. And actually, when you go back over time and when the success he had before Ajax and around that period, he actually likes a 4-4-2 diamond as well. So there are there are players, obviously, who fit both of those systems. You can you can move and match and, and find players to do stuff. But now it's about what will this team look like? I think now you look at two midfielders. I think this is a this is a core part of maybe the failure at United in the last five years, let's say, is that there's always been midfield issues and it's always been Paul Pogba plus something. And it's the plus something that I've identified certainly has been the issue. You know, what do you put with Paul Pogba? Well, now you're at a stage where you're probably going to lose Paul Pogba completely. So you're going to have to revamp. So that's why I think the two midfielder side of it is going to be very prominent in this transfer window. Yes, indeed. Uh, We've We've talked on various shows in the recent past about players in these positions that could be targeted. I think the, the names that come to mind for me here, Frankie De Jong, we'll talk about him at more at length in a second mm-hmm. uh, or in, in a few minutes' time. Conrad Lyme has been looked at by yeah. at Ralph Rangnick's recommendation, although I think Bayern Munich won him as well, so it might be a difficult one to pull off. De Jong also would like Champions League football if he leaves Barcelona, which is not completely certain from what we understand as well at the moment. Uh, so that would be difficult to pull off. Uh, we've talked about Declan Rice, very expensive. Uh, Centre-halves, Pau Torres, we've uh, we've identified him and spoke about him in the last few weeks. And up front, Darwin Nunes as well, who kind of fits that play up front, has played on the left side as well. So maybe does fit that flexible, versatile forward profile. But are there any other players that you think 
are, th are these the right kind of players to be looking at, or do United need to find a bargain, a bargain in here somewhere? You see, I, I kind of I try and buck against the trend on this because I've heard it a lot. Is that May United need to go shopping in you know bargain basements because that's where you get real talent. I think you have to have just have a balance, Scott. You have to have a balance of scouting that allows you to look even at the lower leagues, maybe less fashionable clubs in Europe, and find talent. You can't stop spending money. Like Manchester City haven't stopped spending money to become successful. Liverpool went and bought Diaz aggressively with a financial package. You can't just say, oh, yeah, the next two midfielders, they can cost eight million each. Because I've actually heard this a lot from United fans. We shouldn't be looking at Declan Rice because that blows the budget. Well, you're talking about budget, say, you know, the latest figure is 120 million cash to use. And again, I've heard conflicting yeah. information on that. It's not really about that. It's about the squad and the wage bill. So for Ten Hag, that's really one of the things I uh, was discussed in that Thursday meeting was about how to balance those books and who do you go for and who are the targets and which agents have already bit, which agents have said, yes, we'd like to chat with you because our player might be interested in joining your football club. So Frankie de Jong, the main part of that, of course, is that Barcelona are going to have to initiate some kind of sale, not just on that player, but maybe on others. And they've got to balance their books. He would be a great fit for Ten Hag. He'd be a great fit for Manchester United. But are Manchester United a great fit for him? If he wants to win the Champions League next year or the year after, does he really fancy a rebuild in Manchester in a really tough league like the Premier League where he'd have to maybe modify some of the, his style of his game? So there's lots of players you can go for, Scott, and we'll talk about all of them in the coming weeks. Uh, but it's important that, that United fans don't get obsessed with, oh, you can't buy stars, you can't buy players with big values or big contracts, because that's just not modern football. Yeah, that was going to be a question I was going to ask you on De Jong. Uh, we'll, we'll shift to him in a second, maybe. Uh, we'll shift to him now, uh, maybe cycle back to the other positions in a little while. But obviously, uh, this has come out. We've, we've seen the links in the last, uh, I know that we had a story on Frankie De Jong about 10 days, two weeks ago. Uh, that we held off on. Um, but it's not like the links have come out of nowhere, but I think that the big thing was the noises from Barcelona in the last few days, uh, a couple of days ago now, was 95% done, <laughs> which is a stretch, probably. Uh, and things have come back more to the centre since then. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing to this at all. I think that we, we both know ourselves that there's interest from United side hmm that United would like to do a deal. And we know that Barcelona are in a difficult financial position. They've got Gavi and Pedri. Gavi's going to sign a new contract soon. So they're going to be fixtures in Xavi's midfield. Mm -hmm. Sergio Busquets occupies the role in front of the defence at the moment and probably will still. And they're signing Frank Kessie from AC Milan on a free transfer as well. So it makes sense for Barcelona to sell him if they're looking to raise money. Uh, and this is the whole balance of the books exercise. What we think is the case is it is 95% true the Manchester hmm. United picked the phone up and banged on their door and said, we'd like this player. So that's the, that's the first thing, isn't it? That's what you've got to do. You've got to approach clubs. And we're hearing quite extensively how Manchester United are, are orchestrating this now with a number of players and football clubs that they're asking about availability for players on their list. The list, of course, is made by Ten Hag. So that's what's important here is that it's the manager executing the, the structure of the game plan. So just talking there about De Jong, uh, everyone knows how good he is. Everyone understands the upside of him. 
But it's now about finding those two midfield pieces, I think, for Man United that can really propel you quickly. Because as much as we all admit that this build will take some time, and we're, we're giving him time, two, three, four years potentially, multiple transfer windows, the truth is that Richard Arnold wants things to happen yesterday. And that means that sometimes you've got to go and get a better set of play. That's why we talk about Declan Rice a lot. Because not that West Ham want to sell Declan Rice, and it's not that Man United have chucked £100 million on the table for him. It's just that if that's the play you want, because you identify him as the one who takes you to the next level, you do everything to get him. As it stands, Declan Rice isn't coming to Man United. West Ham are not going to sell. Declan Rice, I'm not not 100% sure, is sold on Man United. But of course, if you wanted him, you'd have to have that conversation with his representatives and then try and get him to get out of the football club because I think he's quite happy at West Ham. And it's a case of trying to put something in front of him that would allow him the conditions to move. A little bit like Grealish and, and Villa, in the sense that Grealish loved Villa, was happy there. Bang, bang, bang on the door. Two days later, he's gone. It's like literally like that, you know, because I think when you see the opportunity, players are quite um, quite keen to further their career. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, another question for you on De Jong. Mm. Uh, we've gone through the expense section, but like, does he fit into this? No, I, I know my own feelings on this, but I'm just asking for the sake of the podcast and for the sake of the conversation. Is his profile of you know, his stature and all this kind of stuff. Does that kind of fit in with the past strategy of United going for these, like, box office? Perhaps not box office is the wrong word, but that kind of, like, elite-level player. Is that is that the wrong approach, like, with a 60 million fee or something like that that could obviously bring pressure on top of him? But for me, like, he's, he's not quite damaged goods, but he is a little bit. He's, he's not gone right at Barcelona, so he's kind of hit a lower ebb. And there's plenty of room for him to grow, isn't there? Well, is he just a blown up version of Donny van der Beek? You know, so this is a kind of like, it, it's a it's a difficult one because I wouldn't say the jury is out on him, but you just said they're about strategy. No, this is not the kind of sign that Manchester United have, have kind of looked at in the last few years because it's not the glamour signing that they want. But what's the difference, Scott? The difference is a different person making these decisions now. You know, it has been an Ed Woodward show, the pantomime that he ran. And of course, for him, it was more about being surrounded by the accountants and saying, you know, oh, we're going to spend 50 million on Ronaldo to your contract. What do we get back for that? So it's not a case of just bring him in, let him score goals and be done. It's about what can this player do for us? It's about signing players that win you stuff, Scott, that help you win. And and I don't think that Jong is an essential signing. I really don't. I think, you know, like you said there again, no smoke without fire. And there's definitely something going along in terms of Manchester United have inquired about him. So that's the first part of this. Barcelona, the second part being that they need to sell because I think the Spanish clubs are all having a little bit of trouble in terms of balancing their books. But they don't have to get rid of Jong. And De Jong himself has said very, very recently how happy he is in Catalonia. So you have to try and balance all those facts and find a way around it. I think he'd be a really, really good sign for Manchester United, a strong statement of intent about how you want to rebuild your midfield. But also, United fans are going to have to understand that this team next year might look very, very different to the one you've watched for several years in terms of its approach and its talent. I think everyone's crying out for that, though, aren't they? They want it, but people have been starved of it, Scott. So because it feels like it's never happened, all the success United have had over 30 or 40 years 
feels like way in the past now, doesn't it? You know, we kind of live off it because United social media will put a goal out from 12 years ago today. And this happened and it's like, who cares? You know, the past is a past. Great. It was fantastic time. But now it's about the present and the future. That's why you go for a Ten Hag. A Ten Hag gives you acute strategy of how to build a football team. And it's going to look very, very different to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's United and very different, I think, to you think the two statesmen of Van Gaal and Mourinho and how they were brought into the football club. I think this is a completely fresh page for Manchester United. Uh, question related to the transfers. Do you think if United act quickly, then it will be a signifier of change actually happening? Because we know that United have, in the past, dragged transfers out. Like Harry Maguire, oh my God, was dragged out for ages. And they ended up paying what Leicester wanted anyway. Jaden Sancho was dragged out for two years. And United was strung along until they ended up getting him. Is Does it seem to me now, or does it seem to you now, that like... United have identified what they want and they're going to try and go and get them before preseason starts. And if they end up getting their targets in August, late August, does that change your outlook on how things are going to go? And I think that changed. I, I think it, I think there will be a change in the sense that you know if you take those transfers that you just mentioned, and I think Sancho being the most pertinent one, Sancho for that twelve month period was all about price, and Man United felt they won that battle. So they didn't do what what's happened with City and Haaland. You know, there's a contract there in terms for Haaland with a a, a negotiated clause. So that helps you and you can go and do that business. But Dortmund wanted a lot of money, overvalue priced for Sancho. And Man United dug their heels in for 12 months and said no. And what did they do? They allowed Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to schmooze with the player and basically say, you're coming, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. So United did that. But Scott, you can't wait 12 months, 24 months to become successful. You've got to do it today and yesterday. You've got to find a way. So I think we will see a a move away from that kind of strategy because that was the Ed Woodward strategy and Ed has gone. Thank God. You know, I think that's the way it is. You know, this is it. So it's a different way. So Ten Hag's not going to say, yeah, I'll hang about for a year for you, mate. No way. It's not happening. He's going to be saying to Frankie de Jong, you come now or it's done. I move on. I go find someone else, you know, because there's plenty of good players out there. And again, I think United fans become obsessed with that, with, with a player. And then it becomes the new cycle. And then they read about it nonstop. And eventually they get bored of it and go, oh, why is it like this? Well, that's because Man United are not very good at doing their business in the past. Like Luis Diaz at Liverpool, really good example. We need that player. We need him now. We're going to sign him. He's going to be in our team next week. So I think we'll see now United with the Haaland side in at Manchester City being announced so aggressively as they have done it. I think United will go, we're going to do a bit of that. We're going to, we're going to actually start. We're going to just announce players that we've got in our pocket already because they'll want to be able to control some of that new cycle and show that they're backing their manager. They'll also need to get players in pretty early because of yeah. the adjustment time that it'll require for Ten Hag to get his message across. There's been reports this week that he wants to bring them back two weeks early for pre-season I love because... That. Yeah, you know, he he fears that they they're not fit enough and this kind exactly. of stuff. They're going to be going on a preseason tour to they go into Asia or uh, yeah Australia. I, yeah, I yeah, the Far East. Sure. Yeah, yeah, the Far East. It's going to be difficult for them as well. The last thing they want really is for a player to be signed and then join in 
flying out with the squad a week into the tour and then adjusting and all this kind of stuff as they're doing all of that kind of business. They just want people in, ideally, by the start of July, right? They do, yeah. They want them in quick, and then we need to get on with it. So this this is the whole point. This is why we know stuff's going on behind the scenes, and agents have spoken out, because Manchester United need to get on with this. They need to get on with it quickly. So you just said there about pre-season. Pre-season is just around the corner. Like I know it's the end of the campaign, and everyone's thinking it's time off. As I said to someone yesterday, you know, in our industry, we don't get any time off this time of year, generally maybe a week or two, and that's it, and, and you're straight back into it because the transfer window is so hot. Um, but I think when you look at the fitness levels, Ten Hag would have absolutely already seen the, the, the reports from the medical teams. He would have seen that and seen that players are not fit. The other thing is, is that the eye test shows something that you don't want to see. What's that, Scott? They don't run. They're joggers. So he's not going to come in day one and say, let's build this up properly and slowly. He's going to say, get to work early and get fit. Two weeks of proper, proper lung-busting training, old school of running uh, metrics and going doing the bleep test and getting doing all of the stuff uh, with the medical team. And you need to be ready for pre-season. Pre-season is not when you start getting ready. You don't get a pre-season and then go on day one. Lads, we're in Sydney, Australia. Let's start doing some running. No, it's going to start before that. And these players that will be at the football club will all be ready to be given their plans by Ten Hag to do it away from the club. That's what happens now. They've all got gyms at home. They all live in five million pound mansions. They can start their work, you know, behind the scenes away from the cameras. Of course, all of them take pictures of it. So it's always on Instagram anyway. <laughs> True. Uh, holidays, uh, or fitness holidays to Dubai and the likes of that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, simply put, these players have got a point to prove as well. And if they don't, well, you'd think they know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they, they really need to make an impression and try and reverse the reputation they built for themselves over the course of this season. It's the reason why football clubs sack managers, because this is how you reboot. Because you can't sack players in general. You have to retain some of them and you have to be able to say some new conditions, new opportunities, but... You know, if you, if you let this manager down, then we'll find ways either to get rid of you or we'll bring new players in any way around that. So I, I think the that that's why United fans should be buoyant about this appointment because it, it, it will be a changing of the guard. And these players have got to buy in. You know, we just talked about Marcus Rashford there and I'm sure we'll talk about him a lot in the weeks ahead. If Marcus Rashford wants it, he needs to be better than he is at the moment. So whatever's going on behind the scenes for him and everyone has a private life and whatnot, he needs to be on a football pitch for 90 minutes, current and present, and giving his manager goals and assists. Yes, indeed. Uh, let's Just before we round off, uh, the other positions, obviously, we mentioned the yeah. two CMs, centre-half, and a versatile forward. Yeah. Who are the players that you'd really want, if you could pick four from those positions? I, th I think lo looking at the two positions, centre-back and centre-forward, because I think those two positions are absolutely key now in this first stage of the rebuild, there's just some obvious names that jump out, and Manchester United are, in are definitely inquiring about these. We know about that. So, Pau Torres is the easy one, because are you going to buy a centre-back that plays on the left-hand side that allows Rafa Varane to play on the right? Now, Rafa Varane can kind of do either side. It's not really a problem. But we've seen that there's an issue with Manchester United of going from De Gea to centre-back to full-backs to central midfielders. 
So you need someone that can play the ball. Now, what I've heard from a lot of United fans, especially on Twitter, is that Paul Torres is a bit of a soft touch. Soft, yeah. Have you he's that soft. Point? You know, he's not, you know, you don't know. We need someone who's rock hard. We need a Vidic. We need a... No, you need a ball player. That's what you need. Manchester United concede goals because they're terrible at playing the ball out from the back. And then you lose and cede possession and territory in front of you. So you need a player that can play that ball into feet and do it quick and make sure United actually become a modern football team. So I think Pau Torres is the obvious choice there. But there are other players, you know, like, you know, this is not, he's not the only centre-back in Europe. Now, talking about the centre-forward position, Darwin Nunes obviously does, does a lot of smoke there. We know that Darwin Nunes wants to come to England. Will he come to United? Still not 100% sure. But it'd be very easy to go and get a player like Nunes, and then you can retain Ronaldo for a year, because it's then about rotation and about that player helping you in that moment on the press and being able to do the work rate and do those things. So Scott, I'm not overly hot on individual names. Not like if you don't get him, you can't do it. It doesn't work like that. That's not how you build a good football team, but you need players that can do the function. And that's what United haven't got. You've got stars that can score goals. You've got big names, people who sell shirts. You can do all of that. And then there's a big gap. And then you've got Scott McTominay. So you need to fill that gap in the middle of workers who are actually skilled and craft on the ball. You need a Modric type player, dare I say it, a Bernardo Silva, players that will run 12 or 13 kilometres a game, unlike this lot who run 10 kilometres a game. So you must find a way now. And I think this is not going to be difficult for Ten Hag. He's not going to be able to look at, look at the market and go, where do I get players that can make me play 4-2-3-1 effectively? It, 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 there's there's no thousands out there you just got to go and choose them and then make it work you know we've got Ruben Neves at, at Wolves you know you can go and find a player that understands the Premier League and can give you real output quickly and we'll play six and eight we'll move the ball along uh, efficiently we'll uh, support the attack we'll do all sorts of things this is why De Jong is interesting because De Jong can do different things too Scott McTominay uh, <laughs> you mentioned him there Poor Scotty, he's been there. Scotty will be part of it. Like, like people talked about positions the other day uh, with a colleague of mine, and we talked about you know where where do pe- what do people do? And if if you end up say moving out the centre backs, talked about Baye, haven't we? Potentially Lindelof, um, Phil Jones. There's every chance that you put Scott McTominay into your stock of centre backs. Now he wouldn't be your starting centre back, but again, it's just about options of building your squad. Now he's not a ball player, is he? Scotty would be your smash and grab centre back if you needed someone to go and mark Andy Carroll. You know, if Andy Carroll were, was a few years younger, and you needed someone to give you some physicality there. You could you could put Scott in there, but it's about having technical players around him and not then relying on Scott McTominay to pass the ball out from the number six position. That's not a clever look, is it? So I think that that's where Man United have failed in recent years. They failed their own players as well by giving them tasks that they're not good at. Yeah, uh, there's no fixture for United this weekend because they've already played uh, Chelsea, are obviously in the FA Cup final on Saturday. That fixture's already been played. Yeah. And uh, so no uh, no match for us to watch and despair nice, over this weekend, which is... Quite happy quite about nice. that. <laughs> but, uh, any, any final thoughts before we shoot off, Rob? No, I just, um, I'm just kind of glad we've got over this hump now of the Youth Cup final, which was obviously a success, and Ajax's title. Because I think, again, if Ajax had lost that title... 
my God, the knives would have been the out. Damaged goods coming out. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, you think about United what, have cursed him already. <laughs> you think about what Pochettino goes through just because he lost the Champions League final once yeah. and because he didn't win a few tin pots here and there and whatnot and because he can't get on with Neymar and Messi or something or the other. You know, he gets so much flack for that. And that was a big... St- I think that was a sticking point for United as a board is that they wanted to make a populist choice but also make a choice that that mate was a good football choice. So we're at that junction now. That's why I'm relatively calm about this because the next few weeks is just going to be transfer crazy. We'll talk about it. May United are going to link, get linked with so many players. Some of it will be true and some of it will be false. But what we'll try and do on this show is talk to you about the the stuff that Ten Hag really wants and maybe again with some of our contacts at Manchester United, whether we know who who will be the next superstars of this football team. Yeah, you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And now you can watch us on YouTube. Just uh, I know I said Tuesdays and Fridays earlier in the show. Just one show for you next week on Monday because uh, I will be away. Uh, but with no game, really, well, the only thing to keep us going really will be Ten Hag tidbits and transfer stories galore. Uh, but uh, yeah, one show next week on Monday. So keep an eye out for that. Head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe as well, and join the community, leave a comment, etc., etc. And the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on an audio platform. Uh, and just another reminder to follow us on Twitter too, at PromiseLandMU for the show, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and at underscore Scott Saunders for me if you'd like to get in touch and let us know your thoughts on United, Eric Ten Hag, Frankie de Jong, etc., etc. Uh, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Rob, thank you very much again for uh, chatting to me for you know about the falterings of Manchester United and some possible better times ahead. Fingers well, wouldn't crossed. it be good? Wouldn't it be good if we can do that in the next few weeks and months? Talk about some positive stuff at Man United because I think the last twelve months have been pretty dark for us. They really have. Uh, let's let's hope United have turned a corner. Let's hope they don't get battered by Crystal Palace on the final day in the Brighton mould. Let's hope they can hold on to sixth and save the embarrassment of the Conference League if West Ham is to somehow supersede them into sixth place. So let's just uh, take stock, start again with a new manager and a new approach. It would be, it'd be good to see and some hopefully more successful times ahead. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. <laughs>